Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name's Alexi Wasser. I'm your host, and this is my podcast. And my guest today is Kitao Sakurai. Kitao is the writer, director, executive producer of The Eric Andre Show. And the pilot that he made called The Passage just premiered at Sundance and is currently making the rounds at film festivals. It's all very exciting. And today he's on the Love Alexi podcast talking to me. Um, listen, before we get to the actual conversation, which could best be described as a herky-jerky first date, it's a, it's a journey, it's an emotional journey, we're all over the place talking about things and this and that and what have you, and uh, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't have it any other way, except potentially have this podcast hosted by a different person than myself. But this is what it was. This is my conversation with Kitao. Um, he's so hilarious. I'm laughing a ton. And I think my favorite part of it is, because uh, this is the longest conversation I've ever had with him, it, uh, it really heats up the last 45 minutes, maybe even the last 10. So uh, just to throw that out there, where we talk about sleep hygiene, we talk about psychedelics and monks and moms and making stuff and relationships and dating and just a lot of stuff. Anyway, let me bring it down a notch or 20 when I say this has been, this has been a very emotional week. Um, not only did I go on my first Tinder date, which may be emotional for anybody. Um, can you guys hear the traffic whizzing by in the rain in Los Angeles? Wow. People are reckless and out of control. If you ask me anyway, so not only did I go on my first Tinder date, uh, first and last, maybe who knows, uh, I went on a second date as well. And on the second date, I was having a lovely time. And I don't check my phone. I've got great phone etiquette when I'm on dates. Uh, I went to the ladies' room. I did a secret phone check in the ladies' room. And that is when I learned my grandma had been in a horrible accident. My grandma, who I shouted out last week on the podcast, it was her birthday last Wednesday. She had just turned 87 years old, 87 years young. How dare you? And, uh, And then this Sunday, the Sunday after her birthday... I got all these texts and phone calls from my mom saying that uh, she was running late, she was driving, she got in a car accident, and she flipped 12 times. I don't really need to tell you the the gory details, but she didn't even die of old age. She got in this car accident only a few days after turning 87, and my grandma passed away. And it's sad, and, you know... Everybody, call your grandmas. If you have a grandma or grandpa or anybody you love in your life that you've not called for a little while because you think they'll always be there, you take them for granted, or you just aren't even thinking about it, give them a call. Or do what you want. Don't do anything. How dare I be so bossy? But I know I was so sad for a million reasons because I meant to call her on her birthday and I didn't call her. And I didn't even alert her to the fact that I gave her a fun, kooky shout-out on my podcast. And I was supposed to see her... Um, a few days after she passed away, we were going to go out and me and my mom and my grandma like to go thrift shopping and, uh, we're going to have a whole day of it where we get tea and have lunch and talk about feelings and dating and love and life and all this stuff. And we're going to have a big catch up and then go to a bunch of thrift stores together and just have a beautiful, lovely, girly day. And it didn't happen. So that was an odd second date to be on and get that news. Who knows how to navigate a situation like that? But the guy was lovely. Uh, 
and I met up with my mom later. Anyway, too many details to lay upon your shoulders, but uh, I wanted to play this song. My mom, my, my grandma and my mom are both musicians, and my grandma would always make these songs, and they would kind of just, I don't know where they went, nowhere. She made them because she loved, she loved making music, and she was really shy, and she made a whole CD, CDs of music, and I thought it would be nice to share one of her songs, and, uh, and there you go. So, Inky, I love you, and I love my mom, and my heart goes out to my mom because I can only imagine how she must be feeling if my mom were to pass away. Oh, my God. It's all just sad. Anyway, but we are all living our lives, and I'm happy I got to have this lovely conversation with my new friend, Kitao, and uh, listen, it feels ridiculous to say the normal things I usually say at the beginning of intros, but... If you guys are hearing this podcast and you like it, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment. You can always send emails to the show. Send those to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. Let's definitely be friends on all of social media, especially Instagram. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alexi Wasser. And uh, now I'm going to shut the fuck up so you can enjoy my Grandma Inky's song called Someday which I've also made available on my Patreon page if you want to check that out. If you subscribe to my Patreon page, it means you you enjoy the show and you want to support it in any way you can. Um, and I, put, I post a lot, of, a lot of things you might enjoy over there. And this week I posted my Grandma Inky song called Someday. So enjoy that and enjoy my conversation with writer, director, general badass, Kitao Sakurai.
Now entering Nerdist.com. You did? You did a whole, you had like a shopping spree before the well, level X. I was dropping off a jacket to get altered. Where? At, at that at place. At the same place. Oh, God. Because yeah. they're like one of the few places that does that sort of thing. Yeah, I have to make you turn that over or else I'll just look at it because I'm oh, like sure, addicted, totally. addicted to screens. Yes. Uh, are you addicted to your phone like I am? I think so, yeah. Yeah? I've been like talking about that. You don't like talking about that? I do like, I do like talking about oh, okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, we'll talk about it then. I won't. I promise. <laughs> Whatever you don't want to talk about, we won't. Um, what were you doing this weekend? You're out of town. Yeah. I, I was, uh, went with a bunch of friends to Mammoth. Yeah. To go skiing. You just went skiing? You do it all. I've done, I've, okay, don't look at my notes, but I've done copious research. Really? There are copious notes. Don't look. Um, and I, I never. I hope you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> I just feel like, and if I feel like from what I've learned so mm-hmm. far, and we'll get into all of it, you have like this incredible life I wish I wish I had, or this like approach to life that I'm like, I gotta, I gotta work towards that. Which oh, thank is, you. Yeah. Which involves like skiing, <laughs> meditation, seeming very calm, cooking, uh-huh. making cool shit. Like, so yeah, but don't feel so comfortable. You can pick your nose in front of me. Okay. <laughs> That'll make me do it more. <laughs> no. I'll make you do more. I have like a little thing. It's like it's like a like it's, it's there's something. Aristotle, do something. <laughs> Help! <laughs> um, you're just skiing in Mammoth. Yeah. Who Are is? we doing this now? Is this, this is, like this a is thing? part of it? This is it. This is it. Okay, okay. We're easing into it. Okay, got it. What, what, what do you want it to be? And we'll do that. No, no, no. This is great. Okay. I didn't know what the format would be or how. I was just actually like, asking Aristotle about formats for um, like serialized podcasts. Uh huh. Because I don't understand those. All I know is to do like a herky jerky. Stream of Consciousness podcast, right? Which right. is what we're doing. A serialized podcast, like I don't listen cereal. to them. Yeah, like serial or like my favorite, my favorite murder. I don't understand these podcasts because okay. I'm, I'm not interested to listen, but I should because I thought if I'd ever want to do one, how do they work? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just listen to um, How Stuff Works. Oh, what is that all about? I mean, oh, it's like, I can it's figure like, it out. It's like <laughs> it, it's like a it's like a it's like a sciencey podcast, but it's like really great. This is it's for really you. great. That's for you too. Oh, if thank you. Want you. Yeah, I can take a hint. No, you're too far away. No, I'll listen back to this and be like, "Oh, you're so annoying, Lexi. <laughs> Relax. Stop saying, oh my god.'" Um, no, it's just like great sciencey. This is great sciencey podcast that I really like. Yeah, it's like very calming. It is. Yeah, not this podcast. It's just these like two dudes that are like, they're they're great. They're just really great, and they're very. Um, uh, why are they so great? Their perspective is really nice. And also they're not like show busy, you yeah. know? They're very they don't have a lot of like They're charismatic and how like not charismatic they are. Oh my god, I got to listen yeah. to this podcast. Yeah. What if they use that as like a as like a uh I can't even think of the phrase. <laughs> a cool thing that they do. Uh, no, what if they use uh, what you just said about their podcast to entice people to listen to their podcast like I hope they would. Um, maybe they will. <laughs> oh, God. It's kind of a compliment. It's almost not a compliment, but it's a compliment. Um, I'm actually going to edit out that, that dead air where I was trying to figure out what to say. Don't do that. Okay, fine. Leave it in. Because <laughs> I'm going to constantly refer to that piece of dead air throughout the podcast. Remember when you took that huge pause? <laughs> Sometimes you need dead air. Yeah. It's the dead air. <laughs> It's the dead air. <laughs> that nothing. I got nothing. Oh God. Oh, 
want to talk about your mom. So, <laughs> thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for doing it. Um, <laughs> I've got to listen to the How Stuff Works episode about how to podcast. <laughs> and then I'm going to come back and nail it. No, they're really big podcasters, though. No, I've heard of the them. The podcast is, like, huge. If we just talk about their podcast, this entire podcast, <laughs> I will kill myself. Just we're just talk about how stuff works with tons of dead air in between each statement. Yeah, it's like (laughs) cool beat beat beat. So coming back to how stuff works. uh, (laughs) Listen, where do we begin? Where do we begin? I don't know. You tell me. I have no idea what. You're a master we'll podcaster. Or, oh my or, god! Or, okay, well, first anything. of all, well, wait, what was happening at Sundance? Because you were just at Sundance. What were you? Oh there yeah, with? That, that, that I can talk about. We'll start um, there, and then I'll take us other places. Sure, sure, okay, sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was a uh, this this project that I, I love. It was a pilot that um, I did with uh, Phil Burgers, um, who's known for his uh, this thing that he does called Doctor Brown, which is a sort of live. Um, He's a he's a clown, but in like the very classical sense. You know, he said it in France for many years. And, oh my god! You know, sounds um, scary. Uh, yeah, it's uh, not like painted face clown. Like just sort of this very pure physical comedy kind of kind of clowning, which is very like deep and existential. Um, but he does these amazing shows and performances, and he's done stuff with like the BBC and and FX and stuff. Um, but we worked together on a pilot. I'm not looking at your notes. I don't think you are. <laughs> um, uh, for Super Deluxe. Um, and it got... We, we, we did it. It was great. I, I had like the time of my life doing that, that project. What, how long is it? It's a pilot. It's, it's a full pilot. It's like 20, 20 something minutes, 23 minutes. 23 minutes. Cause er, episodes of Eric Andre is, th- those are, those are quarter hours. So those yeah. are like 11 and change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so this is like a full, uh, half hour pilot. Yeah. Um, so where there's no, there's no English dialogue. Oh there's really? N- there's, there's no subtitles. There's like eight languages spoken. F- Phil, he, he stars in it. Um, and it, it kind of like, I won't, I don't want to give away too much, but it's, it's sort of his, his character's journey, um, throughout these sort of like very bizarre worlds. Um, and he doesn't say a a word. He's, he's, he's mute. He doesn't say anything. Oh, wow. Um, but everybody else is speaking in languages other than English. Um, how do we understand what happens? Well, that's the thing is that it's, it's, it's physical. It's, it's purely physical. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I... That's what I love about the, the 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 project, and what I love about Phil um, is his sense of like comedy and like pathos that he gets across, you know, non-verbally. Um, yeah. he, he does. He he, you know, in his performances, he does say things. Um, not all of his performances are, are wordless, but um, he he won like the Edinburgh Fringe Festival a couple of years ago for his um, one man kind of performance that was totally nonverbal. Where can I see this? We're going to see the pilot. The pilot. Um, it's doing festivals right now. It's going to be um, at Aspen Shorts Fest and uh, Seattle. Where can the people see it? Where can the, Where can the people see can, it? When is it going to be uh, on a link I can click online for the, you know, the peons? The the people. <laughs> like it's in you a link. <laughs> what? Okay, send me a secret <laughs> link. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay, great. I Remind me. I will. I will. Okay. I will. Mm. Another bit of dead air for us <laughs> and all of us. Um, 
But wait, so it got into, so there's a TV, is this new at Sundance where it's like, there's like a yeah, TV it's section? New. Yeah, there's, there's the episodic, like the indie episodic section. There's an indie episodic section? Was this the first year for this? Yeah. 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 I was surprised. And then what happens? You show the thing. You show the thing. Is it, um, I mean, what do they, uh, is it just like regular, like the, like at the standard theaters at yeah, like Eccles yeah, yeah. and stuff, they show yeah. TV stuff and yeah. then, and how did it feel? So what was the response and then what do you hope to do? Because you already have a deal with Super Deluxe, so, or do some, can people buy it from Sundance or like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, we're still sort of like pitching that or versions of that, um, and, so it's still it's still sort of like in the air as to like what is going to happen to that, um, or whether like that project will move forward in that exact sort of constellation. I, I don't know. And Eric um, is okay with this. You're allowed to do other projects without Eric Andre. Of course, what? of course. That's not what he said. <laughs> That's not what he said. No, I feel like it's actually really healthy to be, you know, kind of creatively polyamorous, you know. He doesn't feel that way. <laughs> and uh, like, actually, let me pull up the text. <laughs> but, uh, but this is like a, a wait, you're, so you're still shooting that show, right? Or are you on what, hiatus? the Eric Andre show? Yeah. Or where do you find the time? Where do you find the time to make all these things? It's true. We do have to get into time management because that's a sure. real thing when you're like a creative person. Yeah, totally, totally. But yeah, so. Um, y- yes, the uh, there's certain things I can and can't say. I would say for Eric Andre Show fans <laughs> oh God, <where> is <laughs> out there, yeah. Um, uh, thank you for your patience. There's something going to be coming out. Oh, how long? Soon. Is, how long's it been? Um, it's been quite a bit since season four. Um, but oh my God, that's been years. That's been like two years almost, right? Yeah, almost. Okay. almost. Yeah, um, that's because we've been working on something that 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 is something that I can't totally talk about, but is. I, I, very exciting. Yeah. Um, and I wish I could like totally spill my guts about. I'm, you're gonna, about, I'm gonna make um, you. I'm, we're gonna sweat it out of you. Yeah. Yeah. After this, I'll go off the record and. Oh really? And, and dish. <clears throat> God, something's in my throat. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm just trying to. Things are trying to fly out. <laughs> um. All right. So you got your downtime, secret projects away from mm-hmm. Eric in your polyamorous relationship or what mm-hmm. have you. Mm-hmm. All right, you're living your life. That's mm-hmm. happening. Then you're skiing into Mammoth because you have all these friends. Who are mm-hmm. these friends? Who are these people? It's just like the crew. The crew? Yeah. Is it the same crew you use for everything all the time? Do you have like a, it's like a family? Mm, it's like a, 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 a close circle of friends that do activities together. Yeah. We worked out like all the time together. You work out together? Yeah. What do you guys do? Hot Pilates? No, we do like, uh, well, we rock climb together. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, and we, we go on like camping adventures together. Oh, this, add this to the list of this lifestyle that. that I might never <laughs> even know. <laughs> God damn it. Um, you cook together, I bet. You eat food yes, together, maybe. We eat together. <laughs> totally. Totally. You got to eat. Yeah. Well, it's actually like, like it's, it's in flux right now because the, the woman who, um, we work out with all the time, Darian, she just, had a baby. Ugh, I hate um, it when so that happens. <laughs> so she's on maternity leave for a few months. So we're sort of figuring out, like, because we have this like Saturday ritual of like going to the rock climbing gym and Jeez. doing her class and then rock climbing and then going to like Nick's Cafe and where's Nick's you know. Cafe? We'll find you. It's in Chinatown. It's in Chinatown. Yeah. Okay. Wait, she's on maternity leave just from you guys. She's from, just, from 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 just life. life. From, okay. <laughs> well, she's she's a well, she's also my like my personal trainer. Oh, and, she and, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. God damn it. Okay. You're not in a CrossFit though, right? No, I we work out at a cross CrossFit gym, but oh, it's wow. not. I don't. I don't do CrossFit. Yeah, 
Um, are the levels working? Yeah. Um, but I'm about to start uh, doing boxing. You are. Oh, I heard that's yeah. great. I had a, an actor in here who loves boxing, and but he, during the conversation, it was so random. I didn't express any like love for boxing or yeah. like an obsession with boxing. And uh, Aristotle and I were even talking about it after because he was like, "You should come watch. You should come uh, box with us." And then he goes, you, "You should just come watch us box." And then I was like, "Why would I do that? That would be so <laughs> odd if I just like showed up just to watch him box or something." It'd be cool. I'm sure it'd be it'd be cool for in a curious kind of way. I would do that, but like uh, the vibe I got was more like a like he was really legit thinking like girls would want to just watch him box. Mm. I would I would box. I would I would actually box. Yeah, come Maybe, box. I don't should, know. Oh no, I'm not even I'm not inviting myself to box with you. You can. I'm, I actually am now. Yes, I am. But wait, is it bad if I call this past guest now and text him and say, like, maybe I will go boxing? Or does that make me, like, a piece of garbage? Okay, we got a shrug. Moment of... I've got a, we got a shrug from Aristotle. I'm even more confused now. Okay, anyway. But, um... So but she, I actually invited you to box. I'm going to watch. I would love to go with you and box. Yeah. I'm going to... I'm Okay, good. You should take the more active route. I would love to be more active. Yeah. I think I've gained 10 pounds, and i gotta got to shed it. Yeah, I feel I'm super out of shape. You are. Incredibly you look so shape. fit and fantastic, oh, you. and your thank hair you. is so cute. Because I looked oh, at all these you. there are all these pictures of you on the internet, and mm-hmm. they, they look like nothing like you. You look <laughs> younger now. You look cuter and cooler. You always looked adorable and handsome. <laughs> but then I was like, look, looking at this. Progr- that's the shitty thing about the internet. It's so irritating because, like, you know, whatever age I am, I'm in my mid thirties. Oh God, am I? But okay, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, it's so weird to be in this like generation where the internet was happening, like the beginning of the internet. You didn't even know what the ramifications would be coming of age on Facebook and like Cobra yep. snake or something. Sure. And it's just kind of embarrassing, like bad hair choices on my part and like fashion faux pas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It's just like, ugh. we all go through those. I don't know if we do. Do we? Sure. I had, oh, no. dread- I had dreadlocks in high school. You did. Yeah. Oh, what kind of dreadlocks? Were they blonde? No, no. The blonde is recent. That's just recent. Last couple years. The dreadlocks were these sort of like thick, wormy kind of like <gasps> two inch in circumference sort of yeah. dreads. Do they look cute? Look cool. Yeah. I, I, well, that's when I was an actor and I acted in a movie with them. Oh, how old are you when you did that? Because I know you're, you're a child actor. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I only have problems with dreadlocks if I'm at the Whole Foods salad bar or any salad bar. Uh-huh. And then somebody with dreadlocks is also at the salad bar and right. then a dread will like dip into the salad bar. That's the only time I'm like, ugh. Must we do this? This is like, you know. That's happened to you multiple times? Yeah. I must be manifesting it. I'm like calling it into my life. I don't know why. Yeah, I think you're seeking it out. I'm. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've never even, like. <laughs> yeah, well. I'm on my path. You're on your path. And like, it's not happened to me recently. I just stopped going to salad bars because I feel like I'm getting like too OCD or something about like. You beeline towards the dreadlock people. <laughs> they beeline towards you wait, me. You wait, you, you wait for them while they get salad, and you're like, look I, at that. I don't look at that. It's been like two times and like over a span of like eight years where I've just been like looked over and then just seen like somebody with dreadlocks with a, like a dread just like grazing the whatever, like the quinoa or like the hummus or something like that. And then I'm like, ah, that's it. This isn't personal to you and your dreadlocks. I'm, I think you're seeing that out. I am. It's <laughs> listen. We talked about dreadlocks, and that's my that's my only dreadlock story. Um, <laughs> let's talk about you. Sure. Well, the the movie that I was in while I dreadlocks was was <laughs> Kevin, 
Kevin Smith's Dogma, where I was a, yeah. a, a demon. You're a demon. How did that happen? How did you end up in this movie? Did you audition? I just you, auditioned, yeah. You did? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I was, you know, I grew up in Ohio, in Cleveland. I was born in Japan, and I grew up in Ohio. Yeah. Um, and uh, was raised by my mother. Just her. It was just me and her. Where did your dad go? Um, we don't talk in Japan. Anything. He's just in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, my, my parents split up when I was like three. Yeah. And my mom moved back to Ohio, which is where she's from, and raised me there. Were you born in Japan? I was born in Japan, yeah. And I kept on going back every summer until I was like eight. Um, what does your dad do? He is a, uh, a luthier. What is that? Instrument maker. He's an instrument maker. Yeah. So um, he's totally casual. He's not rigid and uptight at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he and my mother met when my mom was on tour in Japan. She was a musician. Um, also played like the Baroque lute. These are very like esoteric instruments. And your mom's an artist too. And does she make films? Now, and, yes. Okay, we'll yeah. get into all these. She sounds incredible. Yeah, your yeah. mom sounds like we really have to get. She's into an incredible your mom. artist. Yeah. Um, so your dad makes. They met. They mm-hmm. met there. Okay. How? She was on tour playing the playing the lute, and uh, you know that's that was his dream was to make instruments. And, you know. Yeah. So it was like, like this fairy tale romance uh, for a few years um, until they got married, and then you know things kind of didn't work out yeah um and then by that time they had me and uh they split up and and you know like i said my mom took me back to cleveland to raise me which is where she was which is where she grew up it's interesting yeah i was listening to i'm reading about you and it's yeah i I have a similar childhood where i don't talk to my father Uh uh-huh and I also like don't love even bringing that up anymore because not to put a spotlight on you in front of a microphone right now, but mm-hmm. it's like, but normally I know if like if I if I date, I've gotten so exhausted I don't even want to go there anymore and talk about that usually with the mm-hmm. person I'm on a date with because sure. like because then you have to like deal with all the stuff you've already kind of worked through. You've got to hear people be like, well, I don't know if you talk to your father anymore. Is it no? Yeah. So I completely and my dad lives somewhere in Los Angeles and he's like 30 years older than my mom and I'm always like. Is he dead? Did I just see a phantom vision of my father? Oh, mm. no, that wasn't my dad. But is that like a sign that he just died today? Did I see mm-hmm. like a ghost dad? Or Then I have my yeah, my mom's musician, like already rocker who goes to Burning Man and does mushrooms and has tattoos, and I have no tattoos, but she adores me. And and, and I have a half-brother, and I know you have a half-sister. Mm-hmm. And I only ever refer to my half-brother, who I'm not close with at all, as my half-brother. Mm-hmm. And I've said that, and I, I have a lot of people who go, why wouldn't you just call him your brother? I'm like, what? And Because it just doesn't dawn on me because there's such a disconnect. Anyway, right. So I wonder if you... Do you spend time with him? I don't because I don't speak to my father because he's talk, better that not to be in my life. Mm-hmm. And then and then the little interactions I've had with my half-brother who's older than me is just prickly and not good mm-hmm. because I had more attention from my father than he did. So he's resentful of me. We both don't talk to my dad. So it's just very all bizarre, but he's like angry at me. It's just like, it's all ugly and uncomfortable. So you just, mm. but then life goes on. And then I actually forget about it sometimes until I was like listening to a podcast you were on and I was just making it all come back. Like my own story. Oh, you know, I was like seeing myself in you and <laughs> not in a narcissistic, horrible way, but it's in a way where it's like, I was like empathetic being like, oh, wow. Oh, it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow. I'm similar. Okay. Anyway. So it's uh so let me just tell your story. <laughs> Via <laughs> me, or I could write a book or movie yeah. about it called 
Ghost Dad. It's called Ghost. <laughs> I, I I could call. I, I I'm gonna do that right after. It's a good title, right actually. After. It is a good yeah. title. Wait, what is the other? It's just Ghost World and then uh, Ghost Dad. <laughs> Ghost Dad is a movie. Phantom Dad. There's Phantom Thread. Ghost Dad. Ghost Dad. Ghost Dad is like a. That's like a. That like is a, it like an Eddie Murphy movie? <laughs> no, isn't that like a? Wait, it, no, I think is Ghost it? Dad is a... Uh, no, 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 no. Will you look up Ghost Dad and see if it's an Eddie Murphy movie? No, it's, it's, the it's, one like, time it's I like a... No, no, I think Ghost Dad is a... Um, uh, uh, will you direct Ghost Dad? Sure. <laughs> I'll produce it. Sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Aristotle, can you start looking for financing? It's a Bill Cosby. That's Bill right. Cosby. Bill Cosby. That's right. It's a Bill Cosby movie. <laughs> you racist. I can't believe you. <laughs> oh, God. No, I was thinking about, like, Flubber. Flubber, what's that? Flubber that's is like my Eddie life. Oh, Flubber. Flubber. That's like so suit. I don't even know what that means, but it just sounds like the, the vibe of my life. Just like walking through life and Flubber, snoring. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, it's like this classic movie where Eddie Murphy is like this obese professor who like invents this green slime. You know, Flubber. Like, Flubber. Is yeah. it true? Is it a true story? No. You, no. <laughs> my, nose, my nose is running too, and I keep looking for... um. There's no tissues. Here. Okay. Oh no. You know what? I would love that actually, but not not now. We're not there yet. Um, we will get there. I've always had post. I mean, this is riveting podcast fodder, uh-huh. but I've always had post nasal drip. Really? What's, what's that all about? Just in life, baby. Thank you. <laughs> just in life. Um. Oh my God. Katal just looked at his watch. Just checking. Like nightmare. Just checking. You go. Yeah. You for an hour and a half. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Oh, you don't need these. Oh, right? I don't need those. No. Okay, I do. Okay. I don't know how to open these on the thing. I'm going to ask you for help. Um, all right. So you're in dogma. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how we got over here. Thank you very much. Oh, boy. This is like, I don't know. I don't want to wipe my nose. I feel so exposed. Okay. Wait, but so you're a child actor. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you started acting? I was like five. You're like five? Yeah. And then how did this happen? I was in a uh, Saturday Japanese school. Okay. Um, which my mom put me in to sort of like maintain my, my Japanese, which I'm really thankful for because now I can still speak Japanese. Um, you teach me one thing in Japanese? Sure. Okay. Nothing bad that's going to make me look like a fool. I feel, maybe I feel like I can't trust you. The whole thing with like the Eric, with Eric, the Eric Andre show, I, I always got scared of him and you and that world because I always thought like, oh my God, are they going to be pranking me? Or the vibe is it like, uh, which I don't think is true. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We're not like... Perpetually pranking? We're not like pranking people. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the show. That's just the show. Yeah. I'll just leave it there. I trust you. I like having a good time, but I'm not like... He just likes having a good time, you guys. Okay. I'm not, I'm not like, <laughs> check this out. Oh, psych. It's dog feces. <laughs> I did bring some dog feces. <laughs> no, you did not. Yeah. Where is it? It's in my canteen. I don't think that's true. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Just find out. Oh, Get ready for a prank. I will prank you by the end of this podcast. No, I can't <laughs> handle it. I will kill myself. <laughs> oh my god, it's true. What's like the most horrible thing? Like when a guest has come on the show and not expected to be fucked with. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the worst reaction you've had to a guest coming on the show on the Eric Andre show? Worst is hard to define. What do you mean worst? <laughs> I don't know. Like m- most uh, mm. biggest Un- response? The or, biggest, or? most uncomfortable, just like, wow, they were really uncomfortable and not feeling good about this. They they had a bad time. Well, I'm going to wipe my nose too, by the yeah. way. Don't look. Okay. <laughs> this should be a video. There should be a video 
component. Okay, to the show. Okay, it's done. Did you just wipe your nose? I did. <laughs> God. Yeesh. Oh, God. Oh, you are funny. This is so great. A lot of fluid. I don't think there is, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Long pause. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> Oh my god, you're hilarious. <laughs> oh my god. Please don't prank me though, really. <laughs> I can't. Now I'm just gonna live in fear of being pranked. You might as well. Okay. No, but you shouldn't. Okay. Right. So okay. what was the biggest reaction? And then we'll get to the, you know. Well the walkouts are the biggest reactions. Who walked out? Who uh, Lauren Conrad walked out. Mm-hmm. And T.I. walked out. But those were really like the the only those are kind of the only two big walkouts that we had. Yeah. Uh we like when a guest stays and is visibly, um, I'll just say, like, affected by what is going on. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think that there's, like, a special... There's something that really... Spe- oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Good, to, <laughs> good interviewing tactics. Um no, I think there's something really special that happens when when you see somebody uh, like not be able to compute what's going on. Yeah, um, I think it it it, mm-hmm. it changes your own brain and perception of things when you see somebody like totally wheels turning. Yeah, um, that's really special. I don't know. I think I think I think for us, like we like the spirit of the show isn't to be mean. Yeah. Uh, I think the spirit of the show is to be, um, I don't know, there's like a very deeply sort of psychedelically positive quality that I think we try and bring to the to the show. Yeah. Um, it's about sort of like, you know, the, the people that we prank or the people that we like mess with, like the guests or, you know, like the, the street segments. It's, it's um, you know, what we're after is to, you know, show people going through a a kind of like psychedelic illogical impossible situation and to see how somebody actually really reacts to that like there's something that's inherently like joyous and 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 uh just interesting about about that and they know what they're signing up for for the most part kind of almost, not always right no. yeah no not at always <clears throat> yeah you can have these two i just like mint I just opened a Listerine Minstrip pack. Like just, seconds after you sprayed. Not seconds after. And uh, let me be me, okay? Okay. Thanks. <laughs> One of those is contaminated. Oh, my God. With dog feces? Not going to say. Well, you know what? So be it. Yeah. So what were you going to teach me to say in Japanese now that I trust that you won't prank me? Because we got the dog feces prank uh, in full effect. God, he's like rubbing his fingers together, like some kind of. <laughs> it's very scary. Well, I'll I'll, I'll teach you. Um, oh boy, here uh, we. I, I don't trust anything uh, now. I've, no, no, no. Okay. I'll be totally serious. I want to be vulnerable. Okay, with you. so so be, please. Okay. And I'll be vulnerable with you. Okay, but in like a kind, loving way. Yeah. Okay. It's the only way I know. Is it? Yeah. Okay. As opposed to being like aggressively vulnerable. No, vulnerable. We'll both be vulnerable with each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but as long as there's, like, kindness in there. Oh, sure. When I'm being vulnerable. And yeah. I'll be nice, too. Yeah. All right. I hope so. <laughs> Me, too. I will be. Unless you go, like, here we go, after I start saying <laughs> the answer. 
Here we go. <laughs> oh, you are sensitive. <laughs> You're just as sensitive as me. Because we're both abandoned by our <laughs> No, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> or escape them. Okay, but... No, because your timing is so lovely where you like pause perfectly and then your eyes go one way and like you're like, I can tell, I can see the wheels turning in mm-hmm. your head and then mm-hmm. that is what evokes the, here we go. Mm. But they can't, they can't see that. The listeners can't see what I see. <laughs> cool. <laughs> is that supposed to make me feel safe? <laughs> you are funny though. My God. I'll take it. Okay. Teach me something Japanese. Um, uh, no. uh, una no unko. And I'm too scared to say it out loud. Una. Una? No. No. Unko. Unko. Yeah. What does this mean? Um, uh, dog feces. I knew it. <laughs> we were just talking about it. It's apropos. As long as my listeners can walk away having learned something. Yeah. There you go. It's like today we learned. Today we learned, right? We learned a thing. Or how we learned a thing. What's the name of that podcast? How Stuff Works. How Stuff Works, exactly. Yeah. I love that podcast. <laughs> so do I. I was listening to it on the way here. Well, you know. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast about the Manson family. Isn't that Karina Longworth's podcast called... Um, oh, God. All we, all we do is like list other podcasts. Uh I can't remember the name of the podcast. You must remember this. You must remember this. I went to high school with her. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I know her from back in the day. How? Um, we were in the, the indie film festival circuit together. Oh. It was like 2012. It's like 2012 Sundance and South by Southwest. There was like a, a group of, it was sort of like the Mumblecore kind of generation. Oh my God. Generation, like Joe Swanberg you know? and Joe Swanberg. And Yeah. And right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Joe's a, Joe's a friend. I feel like I ran into Karina... For the first time in like ages since high school, because we went to LA County High School for the Arts, huh. at that South by oh, in really? 2012. Yeah. Are you there? Because Ty made me go. Yeah, I had no reason to be there, but then I was like shooting something with him, and then he was like, We're going to go to South by. And that was the first time huh. I just met Joe. I might have met you there. <clears throat> I don't know. It's a big festival. Yeah. It's kind of big. Yeah. Maybe we did meet. I think I met the Duplass brothers for the first time. It was like, mm-hmm. but uh, I feel like that was a seminal <clears throat> year for. Oh, the, the world. Hannah takes the stairs. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I saw. That was a year. That's mm-hmm. so crazy. Yeah, that's when I met like David Lowry. Do you yeah. know that guy yeah, too? Yeah, yeah he's one yeah. of my best friends. So oh, really? It's like, yeah, he's, oh, he's like awesome. I met. I him. love David. Oh my god, how did I meet him? Oh, because I remember I, I was in LA and I was just like, I want to make something, and I don't want just want to like be waiting mm-hmm. for auditions. I want to make some something cool, and I emailed Joe after having met him through Ty in 2012, and he went. Okay, I'm going to introduce you to Frank Ross, who makes like little mumblecore or whatever. I don't even know. Do you hate that phrase, mumblecore? I feel neutral. Neutral, me too. Um, just checking in with you because, you know, you're my guest and I care about you. Um, he winked. <laughs> um, and then Joe was like, you have to meet Frank Ross and you have to meet Lena Dunham. And then I met Lena. And yeah, it was a seminal time where yeah. it's like all these people. But uh, so now I know how to say something in Japanese is what I'm... That, that happened there. Mm-hmm. All right. You're in this day school on mm-hmm. Saturday. We're jumping all over the place. Yeah, no. Your mom's, mom, how do you end up acting at the Saturday Japanese day school? Well, they did like a, a you know, sort of mid-year plays kind of thing. And you were thriving at the place or what happened? Well, no, I was like incredibly shy. Yeah. Very, very, I was a very, very shy child. And... I acted in this play. I was originally supposed to be 
just like one of the goldfish. But the for for whatever reason, the role of like the old man opened up, um, and and I got that role. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how or why. But <clears throat> how did oh, it opened up? Somebody got chickenpox. Yeah, somebody was like sick, or they didn't want to do it. I don't know. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. Um, and uh, and it went great. How'd you get over your fear? If you're such a shy kid, and then what? What did you do? Well, that's the thing. I think I think that's that's a common story with most, or not most, but like a lot of actors. You know, like I think not. Yeah, I think people think of actors or performers being like very extroverted. Um, but I don't think that's totally the case. I yeah. think, I think a lot of times, uh, as a performer, you have a lot of things that are inside of you rumbling. <laughs> um, that was not my stomach. And, uh, yeah, no, that was, <laughs> that was not <laughs> your, stomach, my stomach. your stomach rumbled. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of things that are, that are inside of you that you, that you can't, that you, you don't have the ability to express. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and you're very introverted and you have this sort of like entire emotional world that live, lives within you, um, that you don't feel like you have the permission to, uh, to express. But what happens is when you get like on stage or in front of a camera, you're, you're, the world is giving you permission to express what is inside of you. Um, and, and oftentimes I think it's a very common sentiment that like you only feel if you're a very introverted person who takes to acting you only feel truly yourself when you are performing. You only feel truly free to be a hundred percent your own being um, by performing or by being like on. Yeah. Um, uh, like your shell falls away, and this entire emotional world that you had, um, you are now able to use sort of almost like as a tool to express a, a vision of, of who you are. Um, and that's what I had really deeply, like, I, I didn't actually fully realize it until, uh, maybe like a month later. I remember, I remember this totally vividly. And I think I talked about this before. Um, my mom was like, Hey, I got the VHS recording of the stage play. Do you want to see it? And I was like, yeah, sure. How old are you? I was like five. You were five. Um, What's your astrological sign, by the way? I need to know. I'm a Virgo. Okay, I don't know what that means. So I just like to ask for all the women listening, for all the men. I'm, for, he's into women, but you're into women, right? Yeah, it's none of my business, but yes. Okay, so um, so she popped it in. Five and years old. Five years old. Played it, and and I saw it, and like it all kind of came back to me, mm-hmm. and and I said to my mom as we're watching it, I was like, Mom, this is what I want to do. You're like I'm too good, mom. I am too. Well, no, I just I, like it. No, just, it struck a chord. You that's know? important. Like, yeah, yeah. And and I was like, this is what I want to do in my life. Yeah. And she's like, uh, okay, you sure? And I was like, totally. Um. And so then she took me to an audition at the Cleveland Playhouse. Um. And and I booked it. This play. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's called The Butcher's Daughter. Okay. This period French Revolution kind of. It's interesting. Um. Uh. And just had the best, most incredible time of my life and, and just totally fell in love with acting and, and performing and um, being with actors and, and just the, the whole process. And, uh, and at, at that time also, like I was, I was really into film and stop motion animation and you were five or were you eight? It's, not, it's all so adult, so grown up and, you know, 
how'd you get into stop motion animation? And were you through a start summer camp? Yeah. Oh my God. Like how six, old? seven, six, seven. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, it was like a very rudimentary stop motion animation thing in camp where you would like just, you know, move pieces of paper, um, around and there'd be this like overhead, overhead camera. Oh, you know, okay. Yeah. Kind of thing that, you know, take, take exposures. But, uh, but I, I fell in love with that. And also my mom took me to, you know, things that exposed me to things that like were not age appropriate, but like I totally fell in love with like, um, like what? very esoteric kind of like, you know, like Jan Svankmeyer and the brothers Quay, like these very esoteric Eastern European stop motion animation things. Um, um, God, you're such an intense, wonderful relationship with your mom. Yeah. That's so great. You're uh, like, we're like best friends. Kind yeah, of? Totally, yeah. Totally. Does that make you feel like you have like a insight or a res- like profound respect for women or do or yeah yeah do you get do you talk to your mom about like love and dating and feelings and all your stuff some yeah some why some or what do you mean some like you you cut off the uh you know, i'm not saying you need to talk to her about sex or anything but uh where do you draw the line well just because i think like uh, i think when it came to, like dating and stuff like that that was like uh a harder part of growing up for me, like why? Again, you don't have to talk about anything you don't want to talk about. Just sure, tell me, tell me to fuck off or tell me to edit out later, and I will. Okay, <laughs> I'm just like talking to you like I would for at a cafe or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that like dating and puberty was very hard for me growing up, like without like a father figure or like a larger sort of male presence, male presence or anything like that. Like, I think my mom didn't quite know how to do it. And like, I was, I think I, I, I craved some kind of like male presence to help out, you know? Um, but that, that wasn't the case. Um, and, and I think I, I got very, uh, I think like insecure around dating and stuff like that. You did? Yeah. And I, I think I still am. Oh, you are? I think so. It's yeah. A, it's so interesting because like, you know, I barely know you. I know you, I've met you, you know, God, twice in real life maybe. And then like, you know, it's a, we have a futuristic relationship where it's like we DM on Instagram and text mm-hmm. and everything. And it's like, and you get this kind of false intimacy from like, from that kind of stuff. Sure. But what I project on you is like, Again, what I was saying earlier, where it's mm-hmm. like you're calm, cool, collected, handsome, got it together, have a wonderful career, so smart, charismatic, nothing would rattle you. Like that's what I see of like mm. you just got you got this. Like, you know, you could not be phased and you know you have all the answers. Like, you know, which is a lot of pressure to put on a man. Just, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, like think about it, but yeah, so that's Well, thank you I'm for sh- all those. And I'm sure I'm not the only person because like, that's you just seem so grounded. I mean I remember even when I like I mean, when we were sitting next to each other at a dinner thing, mm-hmm. and like, I just because you're so still, you have this like lovely stillness to you. And and, and I asked you if you meditate. You said you meditate twice a day. Mm-hmm. I'll let you talk about you now, but I'm just saying, like, well, thank you, yeah. thank you, I appreciate that. I mean, that's so I that's, that's not the case. Okay, good. <laughs> Get um, real, baby. <laughs> Tell us everything. No, girls I, are falling in love left and right. By the way, I can hear. <laughs> I can just hear the like high pitched squeals that only <laughs> me as a woman can register. But yes. um, it's still difficult for you now, or what do you walk? What do you go through now? Yeah, sure. I, 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 uh, 
see you have your own long pauses over there. I do. I'm known for my long pauses. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, I'm just starting to get like you know on the long pause scene. That's why I did mine earlier. People, people, yeah, I, I think I think in the last year, like people have started to Notice. come forward with like caricatures of me and oh, the and things the, that I do. You think that's what I'm doing? No, no. Because I'm just I was just, I was just like a by chance. I'm just. Right. <laughs> sure. Oh my god! I can't. Uh, <laughs> so. And you're telling me you have problems with the lady? Fuck you. <laughs> Podcasting. <laughs> What's your question? Tell me about you have no problems with ladies. This is how you're living your life with the ladies. I mean, they just uh, broken hearts left and right, shattered, shattered hearts. Well, I, I think I think my relationship with with like dating and women is 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 complex. You know, um, I think that like I <laughs> <laughs> go on. Um, yeah, because uh, I think. I, I have a lot of residual insecurities from that time in my life, like for sure. And I also um, seek validation, you know, um, through. And it's like I think I think everybody does this to to a certain extent. But it's like you you start saying like, oh, I'm like, if so and so likes me, that makes me feel good about who I am, and and and. Uh, I think that's very natural. I mean, I think that like just the the idea of performance and um, like being out there is in a certain way like a kind of elaborate mating ritual, you know? I always wonder, is that what compels men to be successful to get women? Is that because it's just like a, a not a ploy, but it's like the subconscious way to get women? Yeah, totally. Completely, isn't it? Like success... <laughs> Of course. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. Oh my god. This podcast will change but, but, everything. But that's. But I mean. But like, if you if you like super pull back and look at the bigger picture of. Yeah. Let's do that. Only of, a little. Like, you know, uh, humans as animals just trying to procreate. Like that totally makes sense. Yeah. It's like, of course, you want to be. Um, you want to display your your fitness of survival yeah. um, to, you know, the whatever. Yeah, yeah whoever you're you attracted know, to. Whoever you're attracted to. And a woo, yeah. Um, and that's what you're trying to do. Like, that's the name of the game. Like, you're you're trying to be like, hey, I am. I am Worthy. I am fit. Yeah. You know, for, for uh, like, to procreate. Here's a question. I, I get really weird about this. I have all these old timey, like I'm very like old timey traditional when it comes to dating, and I think a mm-hmm. lot of people would expect that like I'm I wouldn't be that way, but I'm like I'm monogamous. Like when I get in a relationship, I like happy to be monogamous. If I mm-hmm. met a person I want to be with, yeah. And then the whole dating thing, I get so confused for it with like even the paying thing, like that detail where I'm like, I want the man to pay for for dates, like when he invites me to dinner, or take me out to dinner, or whatever. But then a big, huge part of me feels completely guilty as that's happening. Mm-hmm. So since you are a very a fit man in the world, <laughs> living his life on this podcast today, mm-hmm. um, how does that work when, when you go on a date? Like, and 
and what do men want? I don't, I don't understand what's going on anymore. It's 2018 mm-hmm. or whenever anybody's listening to this uh, show mm-hmm. in the ether. Um, how is it supposed to work? Should I feel guilty? Is, it, is, is that too old timey traditional? What's the future of like how is, I don't know. I know it's subjective, but like how do you see dating and like those kind of ritualistic? I like the ritualistic formality of it. I think it's like hot. Me too. Um, uh, to be like, hey, I'm asking you out on a date, and da da da. Uh, if it, if that's the vibe, you know, because sometimes yeah. it's just not the vibe. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's say it's a date. It's a vibe. Yeah. There's a vibe. It's a date. Okay. Right. So, uh, what the man pays for all the dinners all the time, and, and you don't have to worry, and like the girl shouldn't feel guilty or bad, because I get like emails from girls and just eat a sandwich, Aristotle. <laughs> Alexa's covering up for her stomach growls. No. It's embarrassing. Have another Listerine strip. Uh, I'd rather have a squirt of the spray. Oh, cool. Do not make a big gulp into the mic. Oh, God. That is not me, you guys. That is not me. Alexa, you're a loud water drinker. I don't think I am. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so. What were we talking? So, so I shouldn't feel guilty if I go on dates with a man. He asks me out and he's paying. What do I do as a woman? I'm just, just give me some dating and love advice for the listeners. Well, if, if you, uh, I would say this. Like, if, if you do do that, which is totally fine, I think. Um, do what? Uh, get taken out. That's totally cool. Um, you shouldn't feel guilty about that. I think it's nice to... Uh, I would say, like, I, I, I'm perfectly... Uh, I like taking somebody out. I think it's, like, totally fine and cool. Um, I, I like it. Yeah. Um, it's nice to know that, like, it's appreciated, though. You know, like, if somebody takes you out, like, I think the the only thing that you owe that person is to be like, hey, thank you for dinner or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, that's as far as, like, reciprocal things, like, that's that's where it ends, you know. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I think, like, yeah, whatever. What about the slow motion uh, reach towards the purse? Is that even necessary? Second date. Let's say a second date. First dinner. I just want to, I just don't know what to do anymore. I get so confused. What's the thing to do? I, I mean... Uh, or do you just... Or just... Let the man Ask pay? or... I, I don't know. What happens when you do this? When you go on a date with a girl? What happens with it with a... With a you know, I don't know. I feel like once it gets to the wallet phase, it's like awkward. So I try and like stop that in its tracks. Oh, really? Like when the check comes, I'll be like, I got this. That is the detail I was looking for. Right. That's all I wanted to know. Yeah. I don't know why, because because then yeah. it feels like like if you're both reaching, it's like weird. Yeah, because it feels like I'm forcing you to do something like disingenuous, or if that makes sense. It does make sense. See, these are the details that we get to. Yeah, on the Love Alexi podcast, because it's like because it's like I think that the if you're gonna take somebody out, like the impression that you want to give is that like you know this was your intention. It's not like something that you thought of just as a check came. Like, obviously if you're going to take the person out, like 
you had been planning on that, right? Um, yeah. Like from the beginning. Um, so to be like, oh, you know what? Let me get this feels like, well, that's like doubly disingenuous. Oh, you know? That's true. So you should be like, so as soon as a check comes or whatever, um, uh, or even if like you invite somebody out, that's they should point. they should know like like hey like let me take you out to dinner. That is a good point. You know, so then so then like the expectation is set that is like it, yeah. like like hey you know we're going to go see a movie. I'll take you out to dinner beforehand, and so like that expectation is is set, and there's no. Um, uh, confusion. There's no confusion or awkwardness. It's like there's like clarity of boundaries around that yeah, event. I just, I just like to talk about this because I feel like right now it's like men don't know what to do, women don't know what to accept or to expect or to be okay with receiving. I don't know. So it's like, and I talk about this with girls, so I'm asking the, uh, you know, a detailed question. Yeah. Getting all the info. Also, like. <clears throat> You also ask, like, as a guy, like, hey, I, I was going to take you out, like, if you're cool with that, you know? Women are cool with that. Women are so cool with that. I've met, a, I've met <sighs> like, one or two women that are like, no, 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 like, I... Really? I can pay my way. And I'm like, okay. Oh, interesting. That was, like, back in the day, though, in New York. Oh. So glad you moved to L.A. I don't think I've, I don't think I've met a woman here who's like, What? Yeah. Although I I I, I think I think I think this though like I think that not to make a blanket generalization but like if you ask if you you are a guy who asks a woman out yeah um it's generally appreciated to take them out like I don't know there's yeah. there's a I'm with you I get yeah. it yeah no I love that just cuz uh with romance it's like career equal rights Wanting to be women, wanting to be treated as as human beings, and with wanting to be treated in a thoughtful, graceful, loving, kind way, like a human being. Mm-hmm. But then, and their equal rights. Yes, that's great. But then there's like, I said this last week. Men and women are different, though. They're, they are different, and the romantic aspect of relationship is also like. I don't know. Yeah, the, it's this weird balance where I just talk about this with all my girlfriends where we're like, mm-hmm. oh, God, is it bad? We'd feel bad about this. It's like, you know, monogamy and wooing and you want to fall into somebody's arms and feel safe with a man, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you're not a feminist and it doesn't mean you don't want to, I don't know. So it's like when I, when I get a man on the, on the show, it's mm-hmm. so nice to like talk about this stuff because it's so topsy-turvy right now. Everybody's like kind of confused sometimes in dating, I think. Yeah. You're like, what's allowed? Is she going to get mad at me? Oh God, is, do I have to, you know? I would say if you're a guy, like don't be worried about a woman being offended by you taking them out. No, like, just take them out all the time. <laughs> well, no, cause like, I, I think, I think that like, you know, like, let's be honest, like <laughs> women in general still are like fucked over like constantly. Like yeah. it's like, it's not like men and women are totally equal and like men have this like undue expectation to like do things that are, are like, like, Oh gosh, it's like not fair. Like that's not the case at all. It's like, yeah. Like as a man, you are given so much more opportunity and, uh, respect and money and just for being a guy. So it's like, yeah, if you're dating, like, I don't know, dude, like throw women a bone, like just yeah. like, come on, you know, <laughs> totally. 
Oh, and also when we're talking about like zooming out and looking at the bigger picture and you're talking about like wanting to appear, uh, you know, um, what was the word you used? Wanting to appear, not fit, but... Uh, fit, yeah. Was it fit? It was like... Don't lick your lips while I'm trying to think of this. How do, stop doing it. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. I don't have the, I don't have the, the skincare regimen <laughs> the, that you have in front of you. Skincare regimen. It's just to, it's to, lip balm. <laughs> lip balm and all the green. Resort to my natural fluids. Um, I don't know. Wanting to like appear like, uh, you know, like you're the viable, like you're the candidate, you're the one mm-hmm. to, to choose because mm-hmm. like, you know, you have a great job and you're like, yes, look at me. I'm not fuckable. That wasn't the word, but that mm-hmm. too, I guess that falls into the thing. But um, anyway, then uh, knowing how to woo a girl and taking charge in a date would also fall into that category of zooming out. Oh, and women make the babies. Essentially, mm-hmm. if you're yeah. going to clock one over the head right. with, you know, a baseball bat and drag them home with you, uh, they're going to be, uh, you know, actually, I'm, I'm going to take that. <laughs> that's, that's Where are you not. going with this? <laughs> Drag them back into your cave. They're going to be held up Come for like. <laughs> Are you jerking off? I can't believe. <laughs> Just kidding. He's not. Um, which is really rude, actually. Anyway. Yeah. Um, they're going to be held up for like nine months. You right. Know, unpaid leave. Right. You know, pay for dinner. Why don't yeah, you? Yeah. Just pay for dinner. Um. But let's. Okay. But going back to your life story. Sure. Living your life. You realize you're what, what you're good at. Oh, you said you can't talk to your mom because. But why wouldn't you be able to talk to your mom about all the all the, the stuff? Is it like about like dating and all? And no, I mean I talk to my mom about stuff, but I just don't get into like huge detail. What did she instill in you? What did she like teach you about women? Were there any like or being raised by you were just raised by a single mom, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you have boyfriends coming around? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did mm-hmm. you like any of them? Uh, not really. Yeah, couple I did, but for the most part, like no. Me neither. Um, about my mom's boyfriends. Yeah. Um. What so I think that affected my idea of dating. and Like how? Um, and when, what did she instill in you? Like what did you learn? Or what did she make sure to like, did she ever give you any pearls of wisdom as far as like how women should be treated or things you should do or not do? Well, sure. I just, I think I had a lot of empathy for my mother going through that. Um, I think that I... I think just through that process, like she instilled a sense of you know respect for women. For and, women, you know, I mean, right. I think how can you not going through that as a child, looking up to your mother who's going through like a dating experience? Like you, 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 you have nothing but empathy. I think, yeah, in, in that in that situation. It's so interesting. So how did like looking for a father figure, or like a male figure? Manifest because for me, not having a male figure as a woman, mm-hmm. a heterosexual woman with bangs living in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I end up like dating older men and I'm like trying to like, you know, I have daddy issues and looking for a father figure unconsciously or consciously or whatever. So when you're a, how does that manifest when you're a guy, a heterosexual guy, so you're not going to go dating a, a potential father figure, but do you like? Well, I think what it does is, is, is it for me at least, it causes you to seek validation in other ways um, because you don't have a father figure being like, you know, uh, good job um, or mm-hmm. like anything like that. Um, I think that you seek that out subconsciously in, in others like professionally and stuff like that. Like I have very, I have very um, uh, high 
expectations of myself, I would say. Oh, you but, like, do? I'm very, like, hard on myself. Oh, you are? Um, you have stuff to prove. Is it, like, a subconscious, like, I'll show you kind of thing? Because I have that. I'm only speaking for me, so mm-hmm. I'm projecting that on you, but... Is that something in you? Like and maybe, or just like a feeling of like not ever being good enough, you know? Like I'm very like insecure about my height and stuff. You are? Yeah. I'm insecure about my height. I right. hate I hate that I'm so tall. Yeah. Right. I wish I, I get that. Say. You get that? Yeah. About my height? Yeah. Why? Well, no, I mean I uh, to come back to dating, like I feel like I'm I'm insecure around uh about my height, usually around sort of average heighted women. Yeah. Um, but it's like actually like tall women that I find are much more, uh, don't actually care about height as much. Really? Or that, that I've found. Oh my goodness. But wait, so well, just, you- just, just because like, like my, my theory is that like, I think that like as a very tall woman, um, you are outside of the like, like what is considered the you know kind of typical standard of like, oh, this is how you should be to to be like attractive. But wait, aren't supermodels really tall? Yeah, but like I don't think that that's oh my god, my, that's like neither here nor there though. But am I, am I being insulted for my height right now? What's no, no, happening? No, okay, no, no. I'm just saying that like like in my dating experiences, um, uh, I've dated like much taller women who have had sort of like who've been like oh yeah I don't really care about height because I understand what it's like to be um outside of like the normal realm of height oh you know? so you relate um, to me because we're both out of the normal realm of height maybe a little yeah sure but you're at average height how tall are you I don't know like five four or something you are not five, five, five? four really uh, something maybe I can never remember my height either, which is weird. It's like a pathology. I can never yeah. remember my height or my weight or see I get self-conscious about my height because I'm like I assume men want to be taller than a woman. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. Sure. Is that true? Yeah, totally. So, but you wouldn't want to date a taller girl, right? I mean, or like, I want to be smaller, and then I'm like, oh my god, I don't. It makes me feel unattractive to be taller. It's not about the guy, right? Is this too awkward that we're talking about this? No, no, no. But like, I feel the same way. It's like, it's like I, oh, I feel um, like, yikes. You know, there's a, there's just sort of like intrinsic uh, feeling that you have as a, you know, heterosexual dude with a woman who's like taller. It's like this sort of like gut thing of like, oh, I, I she perceives me as like small, small and weak. And I'm um, and in my head. I'm like, I'm a giant. I'm a crazy giant. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is natural. I mean, like stop, uh, stop deciding with me so hard. Or whenever, <laughs> every time I say anything about like <laughs> bummed, being bummed out about my height, you're like, totally. You're like, yep, you should feel that way. I'm just, I'm just, he- I'm just hearing you. I'm just hearing what you are feeling. Well, you have your own issues. Yeah, of course. Okay, good. Let's you you stick to those. I'll be over here. I'll stick to mine. Okay, and then we'll try to make each other feel better. Okay. <laughs> I feel like my listeners are having an experience, an internal being like, "Is this what are uncomfortable?" Your listeners going through? They're like going like, "Is there, are they uncomfortable?" They are uncomfortable because this is your listeners. Or yeah, us? both of us. Oh, uh, uh, uh. but yeah, I'm totally comfortable. Really? Why? We gotta change that. We gotta, we gotta change that real quick. <laughs> um, but where are we going with this? Where, what was happening? Dad stuff, height stuff. How the hell did the height stuff? Oh, you said oh, just about like being insecure. Yeah. you know. Um, uh, yeah. Also, because it's like 
I can be jealous of tall men. Not jealous, but I'm like, I have, you know, I think, and I think a lot of like short guys do have a little bit of like, man, fuck that. Like, (laughs) tall dude. Cause it's like, as a short guy, it's like, you look around and it's like, all you can see is like, man, tall dudes like fucking have it so easy. They do? Sorry, my nose is running. I'm checking my nostrils. I want to be beautiful for you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You already are. Thank you. Yes. Okay, good. I said yes, not yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. They do, totally. They get this straight. I do want to, I'm working on a new me. Uh I do want to make this clear. Yeah. I don't want to misrepresent how I'm truly feeling inside myself. Right. I do love being tall. Yeah. I do feel like I'm beautiful. You are. I am tall beautiful. And be- yeah, totally. Tall and beautiful. But the bummer is I do, I, and a change in my life mm-hmm. uh, with men who are shorter than me, I used to not even notice. And mm-hmm. I used to always like actually have like this little like thing I would say all the time where I didn't notice if my head was tilting down. Mm-hmm. I just never registered. Like I just thought, thought everybody was the same height. Mm-hmm. And I always loved shorter men because I felt their personalities were more enticing. Mm-hmm. They were all just they were funny. I think it's because they had to try harder. Or they had yeah, a, totally. Napo- a Napoleon complex. Well, that's the thing, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so, wow, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch Sex in the City? I'm sure the answer is no. Yes. Some. Did you see the episode where Kim Cattrall, uh, the blonde Samantha, dated mm-hmm. the shorter guy who was like much shorter? No. Well, you know, she laughed. They laughed. Like, uh-huh. you know, she they adored each other. The sex was great, but, mm. you know, but she was self-conscious about the height. Yeah. Um, but she makes that point, too, where it's like, yeah, the person I just always notice, like, this Napoleon complex need to prove, need to be like, over here, over here. Like, look, like, which is, I dated a lot of comedians who were shorter. Mm-hmm. I just always love that. And then all of a sudden, I think somebody said something to me, and I never shook it, you know, that gave me the impression of, like, oh, to, but to be bigger than I'm, it's like means you're fat or you're bigger or you're unattractive or it's like, and then I was like, oh my God, I can never do this mm, again. And I got mm, so in my head about it. Mm. So it's like a personal thing mm-hmm, in relationship mm-hmm. to like, you know, I don't know I about femininity or like to be bigger than is like, so it's like this, this complex in that specific area. I just wanted to be clear about that, but I didn't want, you know, are you, are you burping now? Mm-mm. Everybody's burping. They're, they're gulping. Stomachs are growling. Just yours. <laughs> You are very funny. We're talking cool. We're talking successful, hip, <laughs> stylish, adorable, handsome, funny. Um, Thank you. Living your life. I know we're all over the place, but you just guys, if you want, what'd you say? Just trying to live. He's just trying to live. Um, listen, if this podcast with you is all over the place, that's neither here nor there. That's fine because <laughs> it's going to be what it is. And if other people want to learn more about you, they can go visit that podcast with that guy. You did some podcasts talking about stuff. What was the name of that? Doug Pound? No. I got to listen to that. But it was like something. Oh, Jason Baylor Losh. What was the name of that podcast? Uh, what was the name of that Jason podcast? I'll remember it. Well, yeah. Yeah. You talk about a lot of stuff on there. And then this is yeah. what this is right. today. So there's like you floating around the internet everywhere, right? And people can just click on what they need to feel fulfilled in whatever way. This is my favorite. The sound you just made? No, podcast. Okay, because you made some... <laughs> what are you talking about? Because you were like massaging your neck right there for a moment, and then a sound came out of you. Oh, really? Yeah. Do it. I forget it. Um, 
I just hope you know I did a grounding meditation before this podcast. Oh, really? I didn't really think it paid off. Oh, wow. Good for you. I don't feel like you're trying to make me feel safe when you talk to me like that. <laughs> okay? Um, well, here's where you left off on that podcast, and we'll jump back. We'll get, we'll okay. get to dogma. We'll get to child acting. Mm-hmm. You know, living your life. Oh, and I always think with, uh, with acting mm-hmm. and anything you do, acting and watching a movie or watching whatever, watching a movie, it's, there's escapism, which is such a nice thing where you can like yeah. just lose yourself. Like that's why I love watching movies. And that's why, like, when I do act, it's like, oh, good. I could. I don't have to like worry about the bullshit in my brain. And do you find that happens when you're making stuff too? When you're like in the doing and the making of something, like you're the happiest because you're fully immersed in making stuff. So it's kind of similar yeah. to acting. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like for me, I've never left the idea of performance. Oh really? Yeah. That everything I do is like in some way performative. You know, like it's just that my, I think that what I do in directing or writing or anything like that, it's, it's sort of like eh, the way it's felt is that I'm just sort of like expanding my performative canvas yeah, as opposed to like, you know, I direct and, I, or you yeah. know, like, like uh, I think that's for me a bit limiting. Like I, I always love, there's something like spiritual about performing or like, like being in the flow of a creative act. It's like you, you lose yourself a bit. Um, and you tap into something that is, uh, not to sound like too hokey or spiritual about it, but like, when you're in the flow of a creative act, you are going beyond just what is the content of your person. You know, you're, you're, you're tapping into something that's like beyond you. Um, and you know, when it happens, it's like, you know, when something clicks and you know, when you're, when you enter that space of like flow, that like flow state and, and, you know, athletes have that and, and, you know, public speaking or acting, it's like, when the podcasting. stakes are or podcasting, Keep going. when the stakes are high, um, and when it's something that you love and that you know how to do, and it and it clicks, you are uh, you you go to a different place. You go to a different you know space in your mind, and and I think a, 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 like a different cultural space almost. Yeah. Um, where you're articulating certain things that are um, others' ideas as well like ideas that are in just the ether. It's like you are a, as a performer, as a you know writer or whatever, like you become a conduit for ideas that are um, uh, larger than just your own. Um, oh God, that definitely happens with writing. When sure. You, when you get, when you actually like can sit down in front of the computer and you actually get into it when you get hooked in is the nicest feeling. I feel like Yeah. It's, sometimes it's just so hard to get hooked in. It's very special and it's like addictive. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that like, I've always, I guess like chased that, um, that feeling, that feeling. Um, and that's the, f- the feeling that I first had, oh, wow. you know, when I was five on stage and, and then later auditioning, I, I had that feeling. Oh really? Um, you found that feeling in auditioning? Yeah. How, how did you feel that? Usually people hate that feeling and they think it's so different from being on set or on, st- you know, how did you access that in auditioning? Well, auditioning, it's like, 
it's a very high stakes performance, you know, like it is. Um, the stakes are, do you get this job or, or not? Like, are you validated through your, you know, person and your talents or are you not? Yeah. Um, and so it's very high stakes. Uh, and so when an audition, audition works, it's like you enter into the space that the people casting are feeling um, and that you feel for the role. Um, and if it works, it, it works. And like, that's the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't work, you don't take it personally. Uh, and I had to learn that big time, um, as a, as a child actor. Um, what was the age frame for child acting five to you're like, I'm still going, it's still happening, baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kept on acting through, uh, high school and I, I, I basically, I just stopped like. I stopped auditioning after high school. Oh, really? Why? You just... Uh, I don't know. I just... Um, so you went to Sarah Lawrence mm-hmm. and you got into filmmaking? Or did you just make... Well it, before you, that, yeah. yeah. You well, well before that, you stopped auditioning? Yeah. You just didn't like the feeling of it anymore? You were like, is it a conscious choice? Like, I don't want to do this anymore? I just didn't really feel like the roles were out there for me. Um, and I was more interested in being behind the camera. How come, specifically? Well, I just, I just understood through film acting that like, you know, my, my first passion was stage acting. Um, and, and stage acting is, is the actor's medium, you know, it's like, it's like the written word as transmitted by the act of acting. Um, and, and there's something very like pure and beautiful and, and, and so strong about that. Um, but then I started acting in movies, uh, and I discovered like, oh man, like filmmaking is the filmmaker's medium, you know, like acting is a huge part of it, of course, but like the actual, you know, machinations of, of that craft is, is in the hands of like, you know, the, the directors and the photographers and stuff like that. It's like, it's, it's it's a craft. It was more interesting to you. It was more interesting. Yeah. Because of the, is the, the control aspect of it. A little bit, not in a bad way, because I completely feel the same way. Where it just, if that's was the case for you, is it is it because it was more like more to play with? Because you have to deal with music and performance and production is everything. It's it's more to play with, less control. Less, you think less control as a yeah. filmmaker? Yeah. Oh, totally. Really? I thought because yeah, you're. Sure. I thought aren't you responsible for the, for the edit and the the work if you're writing and directing? It's like you write the thing, you have the idea of how you want to see it. It's almost like you're God, right? For the project. No. No? Um, Tell me why. Uh, I think that as a filmmaker, it's like the reason why I say less control is because there's just more factors and more players. Yeah. Um, and more... Uh, I think on, on the stage, it's, it's, it's very controlled. And that's why, that's why stage acting is so seductive, is because it's like... Essentially, there's a, a box that you as a person are in and you are performing in, in, you know, a span of, you know, whatever, an hour and a half, two hours, like you are, you are performing a performance. Yeah. Um, and there are, there are other factors at play, but like, it's a pretty, you know, tight and distilled kind of thing that, yeah. that you're creating with your, with your performance. Um, whereas like when you're making a movie, there's so many other factors at play. Like, oh, you know what? It rained and we couldn't shoot that scene that way. So we had to, 
do this instead. And, and so now that scene is like totally different. Um, this actor fell out. Like we got to cast this person. That's totally different. Um, not to say that like those factors don't totally apply to stage acting, but I think all I'm saying is that like in, in filmmaking and movies, there's just so many other, um, elements and circumstances. And then, and then like each step is, you're you're creatively reborn, or you you should be creatively reborn. You know, like once you once you finish shooting a movie, that should be that experience. Like in order to really like advance in a healthy way, um, it, it should be like completely forgotten. Yeah, and like that should be dead to you. Like the audition, if you didn't get it, right? If you didn't get it, like that's like it, it's it's meaningless. Yeah, like um, and once you finish shooting then you have all this like footage and then it's like, okay, then you have to work with this footage as a creative person and you have to lead, you have to be a leader of, um, everybody's creative energies. And I think that's, that's the most important thing about a a director is that like, it's not that you see every shot frame by frame and, and, and I mean, I think certain directors of course are like, very controlling and, and, and want to, you know, have a very distinct vision and and that's great. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think the way I try and look at it is that like every step of making a, a Project. project, um, is an opportunity to either, uh, uplift, other people's creative energies in service of this thing. That's cool. Um, yeah. uh, every step of the way, you know, that's um, exciting though. Cause you work with the music, you know, the composer or the music supervisor that you're with the editor, unless you're editing yourself, mm-hmm. you, you have a, Oh, and you go, okay. So it just, but it sounds like it's just like a beautiful thing to like be overseeing and like, or like you're the orchestra leader. Yeah. Or uh, whatever you want to phrase it, however you want. Like The way I kind of see it is like, I try and be like the first member of the audience. Okay. You know, so it's like if, if, if I'm directing you in a scene or whatever, like, you know, A, I'm trying to obviously like give you just very clear playable direction. Um, but then beyond that, like when you're acting in a scene or whatever, like I'm just trying to b- receive your performance, you know, and, yeah. and be very like just open about being receptive to that. Cause like, you, like in a way you are like, I'm, I'm trying to like, um, uh, be there for you as a viewer of your performance, you know, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm here to view your performance, um, in, in a very supportive and, and like, I'm, I'm here to like, basically what I'm saying is like, like I'm here to enjoy your performance. Yeah. You know, like if you're acting in the thing, like I'm trying to enjoy what you do and the things that I enjoy, um, I speak up about that, you know? And I'm like, I like, I love this. Um, and yeah. then try and like uplift the things that I love in your performance. And I, I think that that's sort of like, the approach that I, I try very hard to take, whether that's like working with a team of editors or, you know, working with performers or a cinematographer or whatever. So it's it must like, be a joy to work with. Cause like that, operating from that, you know, perspective is like, that's so lovely. Cause it's like positive and it's like, and collaborative. 
but also, um, this is what I was going to, what was I going to ask you? Oh, that must be so important who you choose as the people you're collaborating with. Yeah. Like, how did you find your people? That's why I asked you earlier if it's like, oh, do you, is it like a family where you work with the same people all the time? Because, I mean, and is it? Like, for the most part, I mean, how hard is it to curate, like, your editor, your, oh, yeah, you, your DP. I want to ask you about mm. being your DP also. You've, you've been a Not anymore, before. but, but yeah, anymore, used, but, yeah. But used to. I was so shocked. I was so young. Like, uh, anyway, we'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, will we? But okay. Um, but like, how hard is it to find these people? How do you even go about, like, finding your team of people you respect that you like working with that you have that, like, synergy with? Seems like... Well, that's the name of the game. Because that, that to me, freaks me out. Like, I wake up going, I want to find that team. I want to find these people. Where do I find? Oh my God! It seems like it would take a long time. How and what's? How did you do it? And how do you do it? How would you? What advice would you give for people looking for that? I think that you just have to trust your gut. You know, like mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest lesson that I've learned, and the biggest um, the it's what I credit any success I have for is being a judge of like, I like you, like let's fuck with some shit together. You know, like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's real. I, I, it's very real. And I think that like, that's, that's just kind of what you have to do is like, do you vibe with somebody like, I know they talented that you respect their work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think more than that though, like, like, do you vibe with them? Oh wow. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like, Sure, you can have the choice between like you know two DPs, one whose work is like incredible and respected, and the other who's not really done much. But like, if you vibe with the person that hasn't done much, and you're like, you know what, I just have this intuitive feeling that I just want to go with this person, yeah. Even though like their work doesn't speak for you know like the whatever. If you have that gut, then like you should like listen to that. Oh you know? my, yeah, which seems like it goes towards like your life from what I see again from a distance from watching your Insta stories and just like you know people love you and only say the nicest things about you. We have a lot of mutual friends and right. just like, but like even your entire life, it seems like you know I've heard you talk about cooking or cooking seems to be a big part of your life. Yeah. And you love, and it's just like it's. Am I wrong assuming that like you you put in like. It just seems like you, the way you live your life with like skiing, cooking, making stuff, choosing the people you work with is like, it stems from it's like passion. Who do you vibe with? Is there curiosity to it? You're like, just like a lot of, pa- like I'm into this thing, like whatever you're doing. Yeah. You're, you're fully immersed in it. And it's like, yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah. I try to be totally. How just- did you get that? It's such a beautiful way to live life. It's like such a wonderful, like, how did this happen? And like, Tell us the secret. <laughs> because uh, I hope you know that. Like, and like, you know, anyway. Yeah, no, thank you. I, 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 I'll tell you about like a seminal moment that I had in, um, when I was like f- 14 or something like that. Um, I was on a, uh, like, I was in Thailand. I, I got like a, a scholarship to go on this like experiential education trip. Um, uh, with this like organization called 
Where There Be Dragons, I think. What was it called? Where There Be Dragons. I don't even know if they're around anymore. Where they, Where There Be Dragons. Where There Be Dragons. Yeah. Incredible. That's the name of my movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost Dad, semicolon, Where There Be Dragons. Um, from, the, from the people who from, brought you Where from, There Be yeah. Dragons comes Ghost Dad, <laughs> starring Eddie Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so long story short, like, I was in this monastery. Oh wow! Um, and uh, and I just really uh, vibed with the monastic life. I was like, "Whoa, this is the life for me!" Like, I love this lifestyle. What like is this lifestyle. The the lifestyle of a monk um, uh, <laughs> is 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 actually like really. Um, it's so just conscious and alive. You know, I think that's the that's the that's the point of being a monk. That's the privilege of being a monk. Like, I think that like, like pretty much all monks would agree that like being a monk is, is, is like the highest privilege that you can have as a, as a human being, I think. And I think that's totally right because like you are allowed to experience life at a much like higher, like, at a higher rate of content than than normal people who have to be in the secular world. It's like as a secular person, you have to deal with a bunch of like bullshit. Um, like the content of life is like hard and confusing, and and the actual time spent being like fully conscious is like very little. You yeah. know, like you can go through a whole day and not really be like conscious about what you're doing in this very moment. Yeah. Right. Um, but like as a monk, you're entire day like is spent being conscious it's like everything is a meditation and it's like from you know you're supposed to do chores and sweep the leaves and like you're not like sweeping the leaves to get onto the next task you're sweeping the leaves in order to feel the what it's like to sweep leaves and you're like really in that act yeah um everything that you do as a monk is deeply in that act whether it's like eating or sleeping or working or traveling or talking with people or just hanging out with people, um, you're, you're just fully there. Um, and so as a monk, like it feels like you're able to live many, many lifetimes in the space of a regular human lifetime, um, and experience, you know, just so much. Um, and, and I really like felt that I I vibe with that. I was like, yeah, like I kind of want to be a monk. Um, and, uh, and so I was like walking with this, this monk, um, um, uh, I'm sorry, it was in, it was in Vietnam. I, I, I said Thailand, but, um, it was in Vietnam. Uh, I was walking with this, this, this monk who was like, Hey man, um, I can tell you like this. Um, uh, well, so we, we got into the nunnery and we were like, like he was chatting with like the head nun. Um, and, and they were chatting for a while. And he was like, yeah, so the, the, the head nun and I have been talking and, 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 you know, we're just saying like, you know, life is really short. Um, and I can tell you, you know, you like this lifestyle. Um, uh, and if you want, you know, you can like shave your head and live with us. And I was like, whoa, what really? Um, and he was like, yeah, totally. Um, you know, no pressure, but you know, like you can be a monk here if you want. And I was like, damn. Um, uh, but I, but something, you know, also came over me and I was like, I was like, I think I have 
things to do in the secular world though. Like I want to like make films and I want to like, <laughs> I want to be an entertainer, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> And, and, and that became clear as like a calling to me and that there was a, um, that there was an option, you know, that there, like, like my path had forked and, and that like, because being a monk sort of like would be an option to me, it sort of felt like, well, if I'm not, if I'm not like living my life or my experience fully in the secular world, like what a waste when I could be a monk and, and, and live a much richer life, you know? So, so, so it gave me the feeling of like, okay, everything in, in my life that I do in the secular world, like has to have uh, a feeling of like being true or being conscious conscious or like immersed in the moment or like doing what I love. Like I, like I need to love what I'm doing. Otherwise, like it's just not worth doing it. I'd rather be a monk. Like, honestly, like if I'm not doing what I'm doing and, and loving it and getting incredible like joy and satisfaction from it, like I would much rather be a monk in Vietnam. Yeah. Like that'd be so much better. Um, so it's like, like that was like a very, um, uh, like existential, like in the philosophical sense, like an existential sort of, um, moment where it's like, like, because you have an option to exit and do something else, uh, it, it brings meaning and, um, uh, like gravity and, um, purpose to your choice in the present. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's, I think that's sort of like how I try to, um, to live my life or like, at least like have my career where it's like, you know, I would never say like, well, I'm going to like you know what I'm doing now, I'm going to always do, Yeah. you know, like I think it's, it's much better and much healthier to be like, I'm doing this now because I love it. Um, and if it comes to a point where like, I don't love it, like I'm not married to it, you know, did like, you ever have a boring day job ever? Or did you ever have a times where you're like, in order to meet ends, make ends meet, you had to like work some job you didn't love? Sure. Oh, I don't know. Sure, yeah, um, well, little 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 things, but but no, I, I never had like a nine to five. I never yeah. um, waited tables and anything like that. Like I, I I was lucky enough to be in entertainment and making a living, you know, kind of since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I was like an art assistant for many years. Oh, what assistant? An artist assistant. Oh wow, what's artist? Um, what I know. This guy Doug Fitch, um, who's a when I was working with him, he was doing more like opera directing. And so, and so I, I helped him stage like operas and stuff. And that was a, that was a really defining moment in my life was working with Doug. He was like a mentor for you, right? He was a big mentor. Yeah. Father figure maybe. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. He was a big father figure. Was he the one at Sarah Lawrence who was like, you really don't need to go here? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And tell my listeners that a tiny bit. Cause I want, I mean, didn't you ask him? Like you had, you had an opportunity to show a movie that you had made. Yeah. So what happened is, is so I, I, I just got into Sarah Lawrence. I was nineteen or eighteen, um, and I had done a number of shorts while I was in high school, and and one of them uh, uh, got accepted in the Stockholm Film Festival, uh, and they reached out to me. And they were like, "Hey, you should come and present your film. It'd be great." Uh, and I was like, "Ah, oh, gosh, like I'd love to, but." I'm going to college right now. I'm, I have to pay a paper to write and it's expensive. I really want to do this, but I can't. 
So I was telling that to, to Doug, who was not yet my mentor. He was just a, a guy that I, you know, had been friends with. Um, didn't he work at the school, though? No, 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 no. Oh, he didn't? No. Oh, no. God. Okay. I'm confused. Uh, he, he lived and worked in, in New York. Yeah. Um, and I had met him when I was, like, a sophomore in high school. I'd, I'd gone to New York to, like, shoot this little documentary on this painter and, and had met him during that trip. And we'd stayed in touch. Um, he's quite a bit older. Um, and and then, you know, so I, 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 I go to New York. Um, for the weekend or whatever. And I'm like, Hey Doug, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like, ah, like, what should I do? And he was like, well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but if you end up in, in Stockholm for that period of time, you should help me uh, stage this, um, Wagner's Das Rheingold at the Royal concert house. And I was like, fancy, very exciting. Yeah. So I was like, man, this is what I want to do. I don't want to be in college. Yeah. You know, um, uh, it just felt, I just felt so trapped by the system of like higher education in America. I was like, this is so like, the system is fucked. With dad, you know, with dad and like trying to be an artist and like, it just, it just seems like such a racket. And the idea and that you're supposed to go to college, but even if you know what you want to do, why would you, as opposed to people go there who are right. still figuring it out? I didn't go to college because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. I moved to New York the day after I graduated high school. I had mm. my apartment lined up and mm. yeah. And I remember, but I've always had to be like, I didn't go to college. I didn't go to college. Cause like the aunt, people expect, you know, where'd you go to school? Mm-hmm. I always say Wonderland elementary school. I, whenever anybody asks me what school I went to, mm. I, I'm always so excited to tell my elementary school because it's such a cool, whimsical name. And they're like, that's an elementary school. Right. Why are you telling me that? But, um, and so then you just, and you dropped, you took his advice and you had the realization like, okay, I'm, I know what I want to do. I'm going to leave Sarah Lawrence after how long? Three months. Three, great. Yeah. Um, God, I mean, I got to wrap, land this plane in a moment, but I'm not done. I'm going to ring you dry a bit. Do you mind if <laughs> sure, I just try to totally, totally, ring totally. you dry? Um, well, Tell me about, well, and it does matter. Yeah. That whole way of living and everything you took from like that fork in the road of mm. like not becoming a monk, but like mm. taking that kind of lifestyle and uh, honoring life. I mean, you know, it just, it shows. It shows in your Insta stories. But, uh, um, <laughs> you know, with, um, but like, and do you do psychedelics? Because this is where you left off in this one podcast I listened to where you're talking about you know, life and then they, they, you guys just hit on like psychedelics and stuff like that. And then like, you guys didn't talk about it. And I was like, I want to know. And you don't um, want to talk about it if you don't want to on the podcast. Yes. You do. Yeah. I oh, did. You did? A lot. You, you did? Yeah. Oh, tell me about, so like ay- ayahuasca? Yes. Mushrooms? Um, some, my, 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 uh, I drank ayahuasca, uh, quite a bit, like in ceremony. You did? Yeah. When did that start? And what did you get from it? A lot. Tell me. A yeah. lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was a huge chapter in my life. I was actually very involved in uh, the ayahuasca community. Um, Where's the community? Just the community at large? Um, in, in, in LA. In LA? In like a, um, uh, a sort of Brazilian kind of God, it sounds sexy. Group. Jesus, just saying Brazilian <laughs> <laughs> makes me feel... Love starved. Okay. Um, <laughs> when did that happen that you got so into that, that, that happened the first year I moved to LA. When did you move to LA? Um, 2018 like, now? Yeah. I, I guess uh, that was like 2014. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 2014. Yeah. 
Um, and, and I, I, I got really into it. I got really, really into it. Um, in the, in the, in the community and, you know, I, I, how does one get really into it? I mean, you're walking down the street. I mean, where do you meet? Please give me the, the baby steps, the how to. Well, you kind of have to be like ushered into it a little bit. It's like, yeah, you got to know somebody that is involved in it. It's like, I think nowadays it's easier to kind of like look something up on the internet and, and you know, like y- you can drink, um, but uh, to really be um, indoctrinated into this world. Yeah. Like you, you have to want it. I think, you know, you have to be seeking something out. And were you seeking something out? I think so. I think so. Um, I think I, I like, what I was seeking out was uh, a container for, like, understanding the container for uh, uh, ecstatic experience. Um, oh, wait, let me break. Uh, understanding the, con- wait, what? Well, so, like, I think that uh, what I don't like so much about, like, mushrooms and the way people do mushrooms is it's sort of like very like mm-hmm. you just do mushrooms and you're like I'm I'm on mushrooms now. Yeah, I feel um, the same way. But but the but in ayahuasca like the container, like what we call the container is like the 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 ceremony, like the the set and setting oh. is is the container by which you explore this um you know this plant medicine. Um and and that that container is as important as the the psychedelic that you're you're doing, you know, um, like the context and like how you're doing it is like super super important. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I um, love ritualistic, you know, taking them seriously and yeah, they're important. Right. Yeah. And you learn a lot. And and I think that like what what you take away from a, a psychedelic experience in a in a in a a very positive, healthy ritualistic container is is the the fundamental things that like religion and spirituality are are trying to impart but like oftentimes fail at because they become these you know like hierarchical patriarchal systems that like fall apart and are bad um yeah but i think what you do get from like like a a a legitimately good psychedelic experience is, is the same things that you get from you know the positive elements of religion and spirituality which are that um uh we are not different you know that we are the same um in in a very deep sense that we are like of one organism um and uh i think that what 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 that what that does is it makes you a a kinder more empathic person that understands that like i can't it sounds so hokey but like no, it like it's so much better to lift people up and to be of service to people and to bring positivity and light into the, into the air. Um, than not because like, you know, lifting you up is lifting me up, Yeah, you know? Um, and the more I can support you, the more I am supporting myself. Um, and at the same time though, like what the psychedelic experience also teaches you is, is the idea of like, this very deep sense of like, like how to care for yourself and like self care and, 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 and that loving yourself is actually like the very first step towards uplifting other people. Um, and, and I think that, and that, that I got a lot from that, that idea of like, okay, like first take care of yourself. 
you know, first take care of your mental health and your body. And, um, and that's the, that's like, it's counterintuitive a bit, but like that is the first step towards like being a truly empathic person or being a truly caring person is to be like, okay, like what, what, what do I need first, um, in order to be a person who is strong and healthy and of sound mind to, you know, to be able to like be in the world in like a good way. Yeah. Um, and also the, I think like the, the third thing that it taught me was the idea of like, like a ritual session almost like, cause like in ayahuasca, it's like, it's, it's very clear when you like open the session of drinking ayahuasca and like close it, you know, like that's very important. It's like, it's like they do like opening and closing a unit of experience is, is, is very powerful. Um, uh, like I think what I look for my own life, what I look for in my life right now is, is, um, like, I think like cleanliness of experience in terms of like, like, okay, if, if, if we're doing this thing, like I want to be able to like go into it and like open this experience and then close this experience because then this experience is like, you, you can, you can hold that as like a, 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 a thing that you can give respect to and, and give energy towards, um, and is like a, um, uh, it's, it's more potent that way, you know, like, like doing this podcast, it's like, it's like what gives this podcast like potency and power is the fact that it, it began and that it has to end. Um, it's never gonna end. <laughs> You're never getting out of here, <laughs> right? Like, but like, <laughs> yeah. But like, but that's that's the that's the thesis. That's the idea of of doing this. Is that it? Like, this is a a, a contained unit. It's a moment in time. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It is what it is. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, and then, like, all creative acts, I think, um, like are, movie are, making. Yeah, yeah, are given more potency by approaching it that way. Of like, of like. What is a session? You know, like yeah. what is it? What is a what is a discrete unit of creative energy? And it's part of growth, and it's an evolution towards the next thing, and then you do the next thing, and the next thing. You know, whether it's movie making, podcasting, having an ayahuasca session. Mm. Was that a hint? We will end. We're going to leave soon. I promise. <laughs> God. Even going to what you're saying though about like the, you know, learning about self care because I'm mm-hmm. doing all these things and workshops and doing everything I can to like make better choices and be the best versions of myself I can possibly be Mm -hmm. and with the self-care thing i feel like it's so important to take care of yourself and to raise your self-worth and to raise your self-esteem and to like be kind to yourself and monitor the the thoughts and the things you tell yourself that you might not even be aware of and you know uh, insecurities learned from being whatever from childhood and Mm -hmm. whatever um it's so important to be nice to yourself because you it's like you reflect where you're at like you bring people into your life who are mirrors for you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I'm, when I've been very insecure, not liking myself, not kind to myself, not only do I invite people into my life that I, that are just, they're where I'm at. It's not healthy. And then I have zero trust for them. Cause I don't, I don't know if I'm going to even explain this, but it's like, anyway, 
it, I'm just saying I'm backing up and, and, and I so fully agree that it's so important to take care of yourself because it affects like the people around you, how you treat the people around you, how you see the people around you, like what frequency or vibration that, that you let into your life or you're mm-hmm. met with or anything. So anyway, it's just something I've been noticing. Yeah. I think it's, to me, it's the difference between like, like, uh, seeking and attraction. Like, oh, like when yeah. you're, when you're feeling, uh, insecure and, um, uh, not trustworthy like, or what dark or it's like sometimes you feel like, Oh, if I'm not getting what I need, I need to like seek it out, like seek it out, seek it out and like oh. rush here and rush there and like try and try and like look for things that will, okay. that will like complete me, you know? Yeah. But if you like pause and like slow down That's and why t- I pause take so care much. of yourself <laughs> yeah, right. in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you do, yeah. But, but, but if you do that, then like those things that like in a different light you would have been seeking, you find like come to you that you attract those, those things yeah. by, by embodying that like contentment and light and you know, whatever, like, like things will be drawn to you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's sort of like what I have learned from that ayahuasca experience. Certainly is that like, those, those sorts of things that I just said. yeah, and it's it's a difference between externalizing exactly externalizing, being like, oh my god, I'm going to get everything I need from out there, as opposed to like, no, it's already all inside of you, like mm-hmm. if, you know. But uh, I mean, let me just look over my list for you. You're never leaving. I don't want you gone. Never. We didn't get to talk about dogma, all your <laughs> movies, all your your child acting career. It is a tangential journey we go on uh, during the podcast. Um, child acting. Your dalliance of being a cinematographer, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't a dalliance. It wasn't a dalliance. Would you still do it? Sure. You would? Do you think you're a good cinematographer? I don't even know how you got to all these things. It's, I can't race it, but I'm you know, oh God, I don't want to keep you in here for an eon, but um, I didn't get to talk about Aardvark. Oh, yeah. Making your feature film. Right. Aardvark. Being the DP for You Won't Miss Me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very exciting thing. Let me just start, tune into exactly the tiny tidbits and then then you're out of here, I promise. Sure. Um, and how you even met Eric Andre and how that like synergy happened, like and that relationship formed. Hit it. <laughs> okay. Well, that, yeah. Well, I'm, I don't know. Well, the, the way I met Eric, that, that was like another one of those things where um, I, we had this mutual friend, Carlos, who I was shooting a music video for. Um, in New York. In New York. It's like noise rock video. Um, and Eric was acting in it. Um, and at the time we were like, you know, in our early twenties, just like broke, like, you know, just doing weird shit. Um, and, uh, the next week Eric was like, Hey man, I, I got this idea for like a show. Like it's like a talk show that takes place in the future. And like, um, uh, and, and I, I, I brought on like my sort of like producing partner at the time, um, Andrew and, um, we developed this kind of proof of concept together. Uh, and it was one of those things where I just, sometimes you just do a project and it like, there's this feeling about it that is like beyond, um, like, Oh, I'm proud I did this. It's like, it taps into something. And like, I, I, I had that feeling. Feeling. It's like I, I remember super vividly. Um, you know, we, we we did this thing for like three hundred bucks. We like 
got this like abandoned bodega um, in like deep Brooklyn and, you know, spent two days like shoveling glass out of it and built this little set and made like, you know, this proto Eric Andre show. And, um, and I remember sitting on the train platform, like with all of our like janky props, like on the way home, waiting on like the, you know, whatever F like the J train or thing. Um, and I thought to myself, like, this will either become nothing or it will be the biggest thing I've ever done. Um, and I, and I knew it would like, I just like, I just had this like gut feeling. I was like, this is gonna be a thing. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, and we were, we were just hoping that it would be like something successful on the web, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember those times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were like, Oh, maybe it'll be like a web thing. Yeah. It'll be good. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. but eventually like adults from saw it and they were like, who saw it? Adult, adult swim. swim saw it. And they Fast were like, talker. they were like, you should do more of this, you know? Um, so they picked up the show and, and we did more of it and, and the rest is history. And the rest <laughs> is history. And now you got something in the works that will be coming around maybe, but it's top secret. If the show's coming back. You don't want to talk yeah, about I, it. I, I, I don't want to like you fucking tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is there's there's more to come. There's more, there's to, more come. to come, and I and I think that people will be very surprised. Very surprised by what's to come. And listen, can I ever have you back on the show? For sure, and we can talk about. You won't miss me. Yeah, the movie you DP'd. Uh-huh. That exciting experience I can only imagine is an exciting, deep, meaningful experience. It's great that I, that I want to know about. Yeah. Uh, and you're making your first feature, Aardvark. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about that another time, but to land this plane, to wrap it mm-hmm. up, well, how's your mom? Where is she right now? She's good. She's in Cleveland. She's in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Does she have a boyfriend? She does. She does. None of my mm-hmm. business. Yep. What is she working on art wise? Would she ever be on the podcast? Sure. If she comes to LA? That'd totally. be very cool. I should totally have your mom. You should totally have my mom. <laughs> no, are you sweating? No, no. You're almost out of here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Can't take any more like body stuff in this room <laughs> happening. None of it was, was, was mine. Um, I promise. So, okay. So she has a boyfriend. She's mm-hmm. living her life. She's in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's her name? So people can go seek her out. Kasumi. Her name's Kasumi. And what kind of art does she do? And what's her website? I want to people explore her, her website work. is kasumifilms.com. She does video art. Um, and you should check out her work. Yeah. It's and very interesting. How old are you, by the way? None of my business. We can edit this out. I'm 34. You're 34. Do you want to have kids and get married? Perhaps. To me? Sure. With me? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was kidding. I'm feeling a little awkward after this. <laughs> um, and are you single? Uh, yeah. That response was incredible. That was just, <laughs> Even I was confused by that response. Okay. Okay. All right. What do, you, what do you want me to say? I don't know. Um, yeah. What are you looking for in a woman? Oh, my God. <laughs> Even I'm, like, making fun of that question. But, Leo, what is a hip, cool, successful, badass, stylish babe with bee-stung lips and a cool mom and a lot of respect for women? What does a guy like that... <laughs> What is a man like that? And that man is you. What does he look for or hope to find in an ideal woman? Like, do you want to work with her? Is it like a collaborative thing? Do you just like, what would a a nice, lovely, beautiful, ideal relationship look like? And then you can go kill yourself. (laughs) Like, just no, uh, I have no expectations. Like, uh, 
beyond no. beyond um no expectations well no 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 like like as to like like what they do in life or anything like that or like or how uh, should it feel how should it like you know sorry I'll let you talk I think the feeling should be just good chemistry yeah you know um like our chemistry like our chemistry which is great totally um He's got no his- just a, just <laughs> chemistry and communication and 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 do you get along <laughs> and can you be relaxed with somebody because like like my my big big thing is like um it's like it can be hard for me to be like relaxed around um, somebody that I'm dating. Why is that? Uh, I mean, I I don't know. I mean... Me too. Being Jewish, I don't know. Um, Are you Jewish? Yeah. Oh, your mom's Jewish? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm half Jewish on my dad's side. Mm. And that, you think that, that has something to do with not being able to be relaxed? I don't know. I'm like half joking. I'm 100% real talking. Mm. (laughs) I think you're onto something. Because I identify as being culturally Jewish. Like, I'm like, oh, I know it's my dad's side. I'm not technically whatever I need to be and mm-hmm. according to whatever standards. But uh, you guys can't see Katow just, like, wringing his hands. He just had his, like, before he had his, like, index finger, like, pushed into his temple. He's like, oh. <laughs> um, Yes, but to be calm and relaxed with a person, that is a lovely feeling. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what I look for. Yeah. Is to be... Um, can I like? Do I have the sense of like? Can I be myself with this person? Oh yeah. You know, which is like the most important thing. Like, like what is the, what is the version of yourself that that person brings out of you? Oh, that's a really beautiful point. Is this you today? Kind of a little bit. What? Like who you were today on this podcast? Is that me? Yeah. It's a part of me. I'm also like I also know that like, and I've gotten this from everybody that I've dated. Like, I also have big parts of myself that like, I don't easily let people see, you know, like there's big parts of myself that I have like a wall around, I think, um, that like, I don't feel like it's like, it's hard for me to totally like completely just like relax and be like, this is what you're seeing is what you're getting kind of thing, you know? Um, and I think that that comes from my childhood and like my insecurities around, you know, um, things like that. Yeah. Um, uh, so that can be hard. Um, but, and so that's, that's why I really value, um, being with somebody that I feel really like safe and comfortable around and that you can share a sense of humor with is really big. That's true. Yeah. Um, I think that's like top, you know, three things or whatever. Because uh, like your sense of humor is 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 really about like I think you, your sense of humor defines how you look at the world. Oh my god, completely, yeah. Um, and so if you aren't with somebody that like shares your humor, then it's like kind of hard to look at the world in the same way. I think. Yeah. Um, so I look for that. Feeling calm around somebody is so important. I used to forget. I used to not even think that was important. Mm-hmm. I used to just go towards whatever made me feel like like completely staticky mm-hmm. and crazy. And then I think I'd silence the static and crazy by just like having sex with that person way too soon. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. just telling Aristotle how I'm like, oh, wow, I'm finally tapping into. And it's a result of like, quote unquote, self-care, which like irritates me. These like pop culture phrases that are mm-hmm. meaning- meaningful, but then lose their meaning because they're just yeah. like, so like, oh my God, like. I don't know. It's like annoying to say, but you know. Yeah, it's meaningful. Yeah, the weight, but also the weight is taken away from it, and whatever, and the complexity of it because it's all like made so it's palatable. But uh, like self care or mm-hmm. like or uh, 
sex positive, whatever. Anyway, but um, now I'm finally realizing like the, the more I like myself and the nicer I am to myself, I'm like, oh, wow, I just want to like feel like my heart is safe with someone and I can just be quiet and cozy, not quiet, but like, yeah, sense of humor, laughing, but you feel calm, like a happy calm. Mm-hmm. And of course, like chemistry, sexual chemistry is so important, yeah. but like... But yeah, no, no longer like needing the like, oh my God, I've got to impress them. I'm like, I feel crazy around them. Like, and yeah, I don't know. No more chaos. Like I don't want to go towards mm-hmm. that anymore. So I'm just here to tell you that. That's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah. and I, Well, no, but, but just to follow that up though, like yeah. also like the feeling of somebody being comfortable around you, you know. God, what is that like? The feeling of somebody... Oh, like another person feeling safe around you. It's like reciprocal. Like, yeah, reciprocal. It's, it's like I can feel, you know, like I can be myself around you. But if I f- somehow sense that you're like feeling the need to impress me or to be nervous around me or, or like feeling uptight or, or something like that, then like that's weird feeling. Yeah. You know. Well, that make you feel uncomfortable. So you wouldn't be so calm. Right. You'd be tapping into that. And it would have to end. Exactly. Well, where can we find you? <laughs> where can all the girls slide into your DMs? Um, Does that happen all the time? I'm furious. Girls sliding in my DMs? No. Really? No. I don't think that's true. But where can uh, they Well, find? I think like, yeah, I, it, it hasn't really happened so much. I get a lot of like guys sliding in my DMs. Oh, really? Being like, love your work, bro. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to Mammoth. Sure. That happens. Which where, I love. Where can they find Keep you? Them Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Um, I'm on Instagram. I've heard of it. At Kitao Sakurai. Um, I'm not on Twitter. Really? No. You know what? Like, I think I have a Twitter account, but like, I don't do anything with it. Are you obsessed? Are you completely addicted to your phone? Um, I think, I think yes. Um, I try not to be. It's like really hard. You look like you're pressing a keypad right now with your thumbs. Like you're playing a video game. Like you're, <laughs> he's miming a video game in front of me. Uh, it's never gonna work. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's hard. I think that's like a really. I think that's something that we need to be talking about more because it's like really bad. Um, and also like just in terms of like sleep hygiene and things like that. It's like sleep hygiene. Yeah. What do you mean? Um, like. Eh. You know, your your bedroom, for example, like not working in your bedroom, not having electronics in your bedroom. Like, oh, yeah. Like your bedroom should be like for sleep. Um, and the more you bring other things into it, like your phone, um, the less hygienic your sleep is, like the less like uh, the less restful your sleep is. Um, and that's sort of like why, you know, that's that's what they call sleep hygiene is like. Oh, wow. Who calls it that? I've never heard. I, I missed that article. Oh, really? I don't even know. Yeah, I've never heard that, but I like that. Yeah, yeah. I would like to put this out there. I don't know if you do this with, with women when you're waking up with a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I've been in numerous situations where I'm in a newfound romance and it's exciting and I'm waking up with this new person. We're getting mm-hmm. to know each other. I'm thinking the first thing you would normally do if you're naked next to a woman and she's mm-hmm. naked is you're going to have sex mm-hmm. or you're going to like say good morning or kiss or make out or mm-hmm. and just have sex. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like... Yeah, this phone addiction is so intense and pervasive. And the first thing the guy does is like roll over, grab his phone, and then glaze over and check Twitter and Instagram and all this stuff. Katow is stretching now. <laughs> you need to stretch. It's been a long mm-hmm. podcast. But uh, 
But I think that's like another like a, a, like a modern dating kind of thing where it's like to have like a thoughtful, conscious awareness of like being in real life with another person or just like notice it's like closing the bathroom door or something like he's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I hate, I hate that. I mean, if, do you if, do, if that? Girl, do you I do that? You don't do that. You don't, you don't grab your phone. No. I'm so glad. I didn't think you would. I'm just asking. I don't keep my phone in my bedroom. I love this about you. And like if, 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 if a girl has been over more than a couple times, like I'll say to her, like, please don't bring your phone into the bedroom. Oh, that's nice. I'll, 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 like, like in a nice way, I'll try and set that boundary. Yeah. You know? Cause it's like, I cannot stand that. Like if I'm in bed with a girl and she's like on her phone. Yeah. I'm like. Like breaks my heart. Get out. I know. It, <laughs> I'm serious. It actually makes me so sad because I've been in situations with a man, they're doing that. And then, then I feel so insecure and, and self-conscious and exposed and just vulnerable and rejected. Mm-hmm. And then I just grab my phone and then I, I'm like hovering, like disso- I dissociate. I'm hovering over us, just like looking down and like just two people just glazed over in bed on their phone who are like, should be fucking. Or I don't know. Or just like, and I'm just like, what is happening? This is, yeah. Yeah. So that, no, that's a huge pet peeve. Oh my God. Okay, good. I have to talk about that more on this podcast. Yeah. I'm going to do that yeah. more. And I think you can like call it, like, I try and call it out. I good. try and be like, yo, like, can you get off your phone? Like, yeah. Like, it's rude. Do you, at dinners, because you go out yeah. to dinners with your friends, like, do you have like a, do you put your phone away and yeah. do you have some etiquette for that? Of course. I don't know. You never know. I mean, I've, again, maybe I just hang out with the wrong boneheads or something. Uh, yeah, I've been at a But dinner. I'll say that to like people that I'm dating too. I'll be like, hey, it kind of bothers me when you're I've said that to people on I'm your dating. phone yeah. at dinner, especially to circle it back, especially if I'm taking somebody out to dinner, You're like, yeah. I think it's very rude for you to be on your phone. Yeah. You know? I like your old school mentality. Or just like a conscious I sound like a dad, thing. but like... No, like, you don't. No. We need to talk about this shit. It's like real stuff. Because mm-hmm. then I end up internalizing it, taking the blame or the shame of the like, I'm not okay with that. I feel rejected. I don't like that. Something is off. But then everybody is doing it. You look at all the tables and it's just like, the, you know, people just together but separate. Right. It's like weird. It's so depressing. Yeah. So it's like with with all this technology and all this stuff there you have to bring consciousness to it. And so yeah. You do. I mean I'm kinda like like look, if you're like I if I invite you to dinner Yeah. And you're on your phone like most of the dinner, like Fuck you. We can like split the check. Like I'm not taking a Yeah, you're like like, I could have been a monk. Okay. I I don't have to be here. This is ridiculous. (laughs) You should be so you know wait, monks don't have sex, do they? No. So you're giving this person the opportunity for a beautiful free meal and the potential of sex with you and they're fucking on their phone. Fuck them. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. God. Well, I think we, I think we've said it all. I think, I we've, think left, we've, said we've said the world. Okay. Relax. Okay. We have said it all. There is more to be said, but this is what the experience is like. Yeah. Did you yeah. love being on the podcast? I, I, I had the greatest time. Arms are fully crossed. Um, <laughs> I'm going to believe you, though. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Katow. Thank you for having me. No, I, I did have a great You time. did, you promise? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, And I'd, I'd love to be back. You're, you're going to be back. You have me. Okay, I will. Bye. Bye. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 